we've been through a lot. Um, my son has been the target of bullying and as a result, some really, really scary things, uh, with regards to his mental and physical health have taken place. And like, I, I do this for a living and I, we've had the conversations. Thankfully I know what to look for, but sometimes you just can't stop mean kids. It's hard. It's really, really hard. My mom was listening to one of my interviews with a parent survivor whose son died from the choking challenge. My mom was like, so we have no hope. Like you guys have no hope. It's like you can do everything right and be the best mom and have all the conversations and have the watchdog things in place. And they still are going to get targeted with something. Yeah. hundred percent. So. So yay. So yay. Like, I know it's like, I want to give parents hope and yes, it's good to, we got to be informed either way. What we're doing by educating ourselves is lessening the severity of the outcome of the situation. Exactly. If I didn't know what I know or knew, mm-hmm. I probably would have dismissed it, right? And then, yeah. you know, my son might not be here anymore. So thankfully, I, you know, was able to see the signs and get the help. And now he is more emotionally resilient. I'm so proud of him mm-hmm. um, and hopefully more empathetic to other people who are going through this. You know, I mean, yeah. I was bullied as a kid. You know, I'm thankful for it now, although it hurt. <laughs> it hurt so bad back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm thankful because now I, my heart goes out to anybody who is the target of any any form of unkindness. You've experienced bullying when you were younger before social media and these things. Yeah. And then now you've seen your son experience bullying now. What is the big difference? And is it like they say that the bullying now is worse because you can't get away from it? Yes. Okay. You can't turn it off. Like when we were younger, you could just go home and you're you're away from the bullying with your phone with you all the time. It never stops. Yeah. And when I was in fourth and fifth grade, when it was really the worst, there was never, ever a moment where I thought, I'm going to take my life. I'm going to die by suicide. Mm-hmm. And it's not worth me being on this planet. Mm-hmm. As dire as things were, you know, at home and at school, like there was a lot, a lot stacked against me. Mm-hmm. I still had like hope for my future in the realm of immediate sadness. And I think it's probably because I could escape it. Let me do a little intro. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but I'm going to include some of that because I think this is the real stuff, you know. Um, it is. Yeah. Okay. Welcome to Scrolling to Death. Today, I'm here with Titania Jordan, who is the Chief Marketing Officer and Chief Parent Officer of Bark Technologies. Thank you for being here, Titania. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. Huge fan of your show, what you're putting out there, the the guests that you've had. uh, The world needs Scrolling to Death. Uh, It needed it years ago. So I'm just, it's, it's, it's surreal that I'm here and I'm talking to you. So thank you for having me. Oh my God. Thank you. <laughs> I could cry. I mean, I yeah, I started about four months ago, and I do feel like I should have been doing this years ago. I just, it's bringing me so much joy, but also it's been difficult because you hear the hard stories, and that's been my goal, though, to bring these stories and these harms through to other parents, so that other parents can understand what it's really like, where their kids are spending their time, and better prepare them and make safer decisions around what they get access to. You as well have made it a goal to alert parents of social media harms. And so thank you for doing that work. What I found recently was an annual report that your team creates. And you process over five and a half billion pieces of content um, and activity online. So text and email and social media and all these other apps 
and you figure out what are the common issues our kids are facing online. So this is super important for parents to know about. And I want to focus today on maybe we talk about like the top three or the three you feel are most important, most shocking stats that parents need to know about. So let's let's go into them and then also have just some general questions that I get from parents that I know that I'd love your input on too. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we've been putting out this annual report year over year over year for multiple years now, and there's a positive and a negative. So the positive is that year over year, the majority of the issues that we alert parents to Mm -hmm. have actually improved year over year, whether it's suicide, anxiety, bullying, depression, the rate at which children are experiencing those issues has decreased year over year, thankfully, Mm -hmm. not by a lot, but it has happened. The flip side, the downside of that first surprise is that um, disordered eating has gotten worse. Mm-hmm. So 9% of teens and 21% of teens engaged with or encountered content about disordered eating. And so that's worse year over year. I don't think the social media companies and the media uh, are paying enough attention to this because it is a deadly issue. Uh, anorexia, bulimia, uh, calorie restricting when your body is growing, it, it, it can be deadly. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a problem that is dramatically affecting our children, not just girls, but boys, especially given that social media is you know the ultimate comparison trap of uh, filtered life, not real life. And I couldn't imagine being exposed to that when my body was developing. So yeah, that's, that's the first surprise. Okay. Uh, the second surprise was when we looked at the top apps and platforms for concerning content that Kick mm-hmm. came out on top. You know, a lot of parents have never even heard of Kick. Yeah. Don't know what Kick is. Yeah. And our team is actually participating in a project where we have a 13 year old persona online right now. And by far, Kick is the absolute worst place where we are encountering the worst content. It is a cesspool. It is, it's terrible. So if I were to open my persona's phone right now and look at the Kick DMs, it would be absolutely lit up, straight graphic, pornographic video. Like the video stills themselves are enough to scar somebody for life, much less if you hit play. Okay. So- Kick. Fun. Not not a great app. Finally, while the rate of self-harm and suicide alerts that Bark has sent year over year has slightly decreased, mm-hmm. it's still problematic. Yeah. You know, every day at Bark, we're sending between 85 and 100 imminent self-harm or suicidal alerts to parents and caregivers about their children. Wow. And the fact that suicide is the second leading cause of death in children in the United States you know, 33% of tweens and 57% of teens were involved in a self-harm or suicidal situation over the course of 2023. That is incredibly problematic. Mm -hmm. Finally, I'll give give a nod to uh, the sexual content, the sextortion, the predation, Mm -hmm. the rate at which children encounter graphic sexual content, feel the pressure to send nudes, engage in conversations with adults when they are minors and become victims of child sexual abuse material mm-hmm. distribution or possession is is way too high. Yeah. So yeah. I'll leave it there. I just reported on this morning a new investigation into the ring of criminals in Nigeria who are targeting teen boys 
for sextortion and they're called the Yahoo Boys Ugh. and they have training videos and scripts on Snapchat, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, some of which have been there for years and have not been taken down. It's literally like they're recruiting new, I mean, this was a specific ring in Nigeria, um, new people to come to learn how to sextort our teenage boys, which is linked to the rise in suicide rates in teenage boys because they feel they have no option when they get into these super stressful and tricky situations when now they've sent a nude photo and they're being asked for money. Sometimes they pay the money and then it keeps going round and round. They keep this, the extorter, the predator asks for more money over and over again. I'm sure you have probably seen some actual screenshots of some of those messages that were sent yep. to children that have died by suicide, just saying, it's probably better if you kill yourself. Mm-hmm. And if I ever have a chance to be in the same room as the, the person who sent a message like that, you know, I just, there are no words. No. There are no words. No. Okay. So then I want to touch on kick. Mm. When I've interviewed gamers who are literally in gaming chats telling each other to kill themselves, they tell me, never let your kids on kick. They are the ones that I learned about kick from and how horrible it is. Yeah. Yeah. Kick is the new Amigle. Um, I'm so glad Amigle got shut down. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, new things pop up, right? Mm-hmm. And I'd say Kick is probably the most problematic app. Children should not be able to download it and to access it. Yeah. If they want to message their friends, there are plenty of other ways they can do it. Uh, Kick is a cesspool. What other platforms would you categorize? Maybe not on the level of Kick, but what would you not want your kid accessing? It depends on their age, mm-hmm. and it depends on their emotional maturity. Yeah. You know, most children, like six, seven, eight, nine years old, not 13, uh, where terms of service state that is the minimum age they should join, but younger children, Mm -hmm. they all want Snapchat and TikTok and Instagram, not to mention Discord and some, you know, gamers want Steam and Twitter or X, uh, for example, or Reddit. All of these are a variety of dangers. Outside of Kick, I would say Snapchat is the most dangerous right now for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the fact that they offer snap maps, which allow anyone who is connected to your child to see their real time live location. They can zoom down to see what the detail is of the exterior of the building they are in, whether it's your home, their school, etc. cetera. <laughs> um, and yes, Snapchat has things like ghost mode that they can toggle on and your children can, if they are wise and mature enough, uh, curate a list where it's only people that they trust to see their location. Mm -hmm. But the fact that you as their parent have no insight Mm -hmm. or oversight to that is terrifying. So the the real-time location sharing, in fact, I just reported on a story of a a girl in Florida who posted a photo to Snap and a a gentleman who was, she was, I think, 14 and he was 20 Mm -hmm. and um, he was threatening to show up at her house, rape her and kill her and then hurt her family all because of Snapchat and Mm. Snap Maps. So- problematic. Yep. Not only that, you know, the disappearing nature of photos. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I know that nothing ever really disappears mm-hmm. online because of digital footprints. Tell you how many times I've heard of somebody sending a snap and while the child didn't take a screenshot of it, the friend sitting nearby took a photo of it, yeah, right? Right. We could have an entire episode of why snap is dangerous. <laughs> I think I could do it off the top of my head. Okay. So there are these numerous harms and I will link to the report from Bark in the episode notes. 
But let's flip it to how can parents help minimize these harms for their own children? Well, so we know it's happening. It's really a matter, not a matter of if, but when. Mm -hmm. So you can range from the very, very restrictive of, we don't have internet in our home and we only read books, right? Um, that's what's one path. Yeah. Not the most, not the most viable. Yeah. The more realistic path is, as our friend Chris McKenna says, delay is the way. So really assess how your child can access the internet. Mm-hmm. Do you have old devices sitting in a drawer that you haven't recycled, but can still be powered on and join the home Wi-Fi? Is your television at home a smart TV that can pull up Netflix with voice activation yeah, or YouTube, YouTube, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you've got to think about all the different ways children can access the digital world. Yep. Uh, do they have school issued devices and accounts? You know, they might not even have their own tech, but they can access tech. So figure out what tech they can access. And it's a layered approach. You've got to look at it from the internet coming into your home. What layers can you implement uh, through your internet service provider that come free as a part of the service you pay each month? Mm -hmm. Your children do have their own devices. What device layer protections exist, whether it's Apple or Google Family Link? Obviously, I'm a proponent of going with, you know, the Bark phone, mm-hmm. but n- not everybody has that. So right. uh, it's important to know that there are options. Whatever you choose for your child, there are options. There are so many options for parental controls, layering, network level, device level, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it comes down to non-tech decisions like location. Where is the tech going to be in your home that can connect? No devices in the bedrooms, no devices at night. Keep them in the common areas of the home. Also time of day, making sure you can set time limits so that if anybody can't sleep, um, their first go-to isn't to go scroll, mm-hmm. uh, but it's go snuggle a pet or, or again, yeah. read a book or draw a picture or something, right? Yeah. Um, there's not an easy button for this. It is a layered approach, divide and conquer. You don't have to do it all at once. Mm-hmm. It's being aware and, and just knowing that it is very likely your child is going to encounter either problematic content or problematic people online. So have you set up as safe of an environment as you can, both internally and externally while they're on the go on mobile devices? Mm-hmm. And then can they have open and honest conversations with you? Can they come to you? Are you a safe place? Are you going to freak out and punish them and take away their access and entertainment? Or are you going to affirm them, thank them for bringing it to you and then problem solve together? Yeah, that's so important because they're not going to come to you if they think you're going to take their device away or punish them. Not at all. Why would they do that? I know. I know. We know kids are smarter than us when it comes to the tech issues, getting around the parental controls. If you are setting time limits so that the maybe the internet goes off at a certain time, I heard of a kid that was just changing the time zone on his oh, yeah. phone, right, to a later time zone, and then he was able to access the internet later. So be aware. That's another thing, right? You asked about dangerous apps. Well, you know, Snapchat is probably the top dangerous app, but if we're talking about companies that could do better and things that could be better, uh, Apple is a huge, huge issue right now. While they have free built-in parental controls, they have known bugs. Right. Uh, the Wall Street Journal reported on it over a year ago. Mm-hmm. They haven't fixed it. They have no timeline for when they're going to fix it. I just saw an update for the latest iOS 18. Nothing in there about fixing their buggy parental controls. You know, So it's like, when are they going to prioritize families? Yeah. Again, that's why we created a smartphone at Bark because 
before when we just had an app that was monitoring Apple devices, there was so much friction there, so many issues that were harming kids. Mm. And we were like, there's got to be a better way that gives their parents more insight because iPhone was not the way. No, and I agree. And I hear I hear time and time again from parents and experts that Apple iPhone is very difficult to keep control of. I have an iPhone. I'm talking to you on a MacBook Air. I have an Apple Watch. Like, I love Apple products. They're great. But Apple prioritizes privacy, which is so – like, they stake their whole marketing around privacy, mm-hmm. which is great for adults, horrible for children who need guidance from caring adults. You know, this is something that's really important for parents is to understand the ideal journey for your children to go from whatever technology you're going to start with up to they're an adult and they're going to go sign up for their own phone plan and get their own phone. I spoke with yesterday, uh, Hannah Ortel, who has a an organization in Scotland called Delay Smartphones. And we talked through this journey and I, and I just loved how she sort of went from go, you know, start with a smartwatch, then go to what people call dumb phones, which I think no one should call a phone a dumb phone, but whether it's a flip phone or a bark phone or one of these phones that are more controlled. And then maybe when they're whatever age you decide, 17, they're still in your home and you need to start teaching them a little more about what they may get access to when they turn 18 and get a full-blown smartphone. So what do you recommend for that journey? How does that journey look like in your head? You know, my recommendation is that delay as long as possible. Mm-hmm. For example, if you if your child is like saying, I got I need to have a phone, I need to be able to call you at school, your child can go to the office and say, I need to call my parent, right? Like they have a phone there. You know, it's not always that first step. But you assess the landscape of what you need. If you are worried about your child's safety and want to track their location, maybe if they're riding a bike solo, walking to a friend's house, after school activities, um, perhaps you live in a dual household where the um, parents aren't married and you know there's some dynamics there that are difficult to navigate with communication. Yeah. These are all things to take into account, but look at the minimum viable product. What do you need to be able to do? If it's track location and just text with your child, not have them download apps or play games or surf, surf social media, then a smartwatch or you know a bark phone or a flip phone is, is a great idea because you have control. Yep. You don't have to worry about them getting sucked in because you can set a time limit and you can set those parameters. I do not think a child needs a full-blown smartphone with access to the internet and the app store without approval first and social media. Definitely not before 13. I would say ideally not before 16 mm-hmm. based on what I've seen. It's just so much better to wait. So kids can have tech. You can introduce it to them and a slow roll is so much better. Yeah. I'm right there with you on the 16 for a smartphone or older. I think we have the responsibility to teach them what they are going to be able to access when they're an adult, but it's just happening way too young. And I do want to touch on though, the Bark phone and similar phones do not allow social media apps on them. That's correct, right? So with the Bark phone, you do have the option when your child gets older oh, okay. to allow social media. Okay, We don't recommend it, but we also, you know, let's say you get your child a Bark phone when they're 13 and it's only, you know, texting mom and dad and a couple of trusted friends and you have the ability to track their location. Well, in three years when they're 16, want the ability for parents to let them have, you know, access to more apps, whether it's social media or a browser or whatever. So it's it's up to the parent. We give the parent the choice to decide. Okay. 
And what age should parents let them have access to social media? Yeah, again, delay is the way. I don't agree with 13. Uh, I think it's much better to do it closer to 16. Mm -hmm. And I also think it's better to not do it all at once. Don't just one day be like, okay, you can have Instagram, Snap, TikTok, this and that and this and that. Like one at a time. Let's do one at a time. And another big thing too is if you have not spent time on the app yourself, don't let your kid access it yet. Don't let your kid download Snap if you haven't spent time there. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's ludicrous. I understand, obviously, the pull of these apps. I'm on them. I use them personally, mm-hmm. um, especially YouTube, right? Yeah. There are pros and cons, and I, I don't want to demonize social media because it is a tool. It can be used for good. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of creation and connection. I mean, that's how I found out about you and your podcast because of social media. Right. So- if you have had conversations about what your child can encounter, you know, candidly with them and taught them about how to curate your feed and uh, teach them about algorithms and how these things are very addictive, like it is a very powerful tool. You don't give your kid a car without driver's ed and seatbelts and car insurance. Right. So don't give them a smartphone with social media until you've done the proper safety protocol. And every child is ready at a different age. 100%. Like we've talked about, parents need to be informed and educating our children on these on the, the risks around using social media, using technology. What yes. do you recommend? Like what's the best way for parents to stay up to date on the risks that exist online? Like is there certain things they should be following or a newsletter they should sign up for? Like how can they most easily get this information? Yeah, gosh. Well, I mean, obviously subscribe to Scrolling to Death, right? You're on the <laughs> forefront of this. And then while we're being completely obvious, uh, go ahead and follow me. Yes, for sure. Like that's my job is to report frequently on the latest and what parents need to know about keeping their kids safer online. Bark, we have a newsletter that you can subscribe to, uh, totally free. You don't have to pay for anything. It's just, we're keeping you up to date. We have teen slang guides and tech contracts and guides on how to implement parental controls on things like Roblox and that sort of thing. So that's our goal is to educate and empower and protect a few other players in the space. You know, I love protect young eyes. I think they do a great job of educating as well. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I'm interviewing him, I think next month, Chris. He is the best. I've just been watching his stories and been like, he's right on, right on. He's got it. (laughs) He he's the best. That's a great recommendation. He's wonderful. Okay. So you've covered online harms in your work through the years, and obviously there's a lot going on in this space. I was wondering, like, what's your passion area within this? Like, what fires you up? For me, it's like a little bit of sharenting and then also um, giving social media access to young. Like, I am on the high end of when I think kids should have social media, maybe even never. Yeah. Um, so what's like the thing that, that like really fires you up in this space? It's hard to pick just one. I know. There's a few things going on. I mean, I am the survivor of childhood sexual abuse. So uh, the online sexual abuse of children, how quickly it can happen uh, without parents' knowledge is something that, you know, I'm looking to fight as much as possible. Yeah. So that motivates me. As a a young woman who grew up, you know, looking at uh, six foot tall supermodels and thinking that was the norm and struggling with 
you know, my own eating disordered issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm passionate about that too. I've struggled with anxiety and depression, whether it was postpartum depression or, you know, suicidal ideation uh, at certain points in my life. Like I've, I've struggled with a lot of things. I was bullied as a kid. I mean, there's mm-hmm. so many things that I've encountered and I've overcome, but because I've had that unique experience and whatever uh, channel I would say, yeah. um, I didn't have a smartphone at the time. And if I did, it would have been worse. And I don't know if I would be here. And so overlaying my personal experience, just growing up as a human woman born in the eighties and now alive today, Mm -hmm. working at the intersection of parenting and tech and social media, I am seeing the harms that are happening to children every single day. And I am seeing that so many parents tell us after they get a bark alert, I had no idea. I had no idea my child was struggling. These are good parents and these are good kids, but good kids make bad choices. It's hard to pick just one, but I, I yeah, it comes down to basic human rights. You know, we all deserve to be safe and healthy. And tech is an amazing tool that can further us in so many ways, but it's also can be very, very, very harmful. And so we've got to educate Mm-hmm. bring light to the, these issues. We've got to empower parents and children to be able to live with it responsibly. And we have to fight for what's right. And there's not enough fighting going on for what's right. And there's too too much money behind lobbying in support of the tech companies that are not being held responsible currently. Yeah. Just did a video this morning. It was like $35 million spent last year lobbying against legislation that will protect our children online. Yet they're sitting in front of Congress and going to tell us a whole big game about how they protect our children. And so it's mixed messages. (laughs) Well, and they generated over $11 billion in revenue. For children in the U.S. Isn't that crazy? Uh, It is crazy, um, but it's also exactly why they are not going to implement the the safety measures that we need. It's it's not surprising. Right. Sarah Robbins, who's doing a documentary in this space, she said that, you know, big tech wants you to step aside. Big tech doesn't want you to understand their platform. Your kids got it and they got your kids. And you're just supposed to hand it over to them and let big tech raise your kids. And that is the last thing you want. And I just thought that was stated so perfectly because that is what's happening. It starts from the young age with us giving iPads to kids as the babysitter. Like we start co-parenting with big tech when they're babies and then we slowly let them integrate more into the kid's life until they're parenting the kid. They're the ones showing them and teaching them in small bite-sized pieces in an algorithm that we have no control over what they, you know, who they should be. And it's harmful and we need to take some more control as parents. I'm just, I'm grateful to you for what you do. I'm, I am grateful to Bark and all these companies that are giving us a solution that is safer. And I encourage parents to follow Titania, follow my page, follow Bark, join their newsletter, stay informed and do your research on what technology exists that that is slightly safer. There's a lot safer, I should say. <laughs> Titania, is there anything else you would like to share with listeners who are mostly parents that are worried about these things? Outside of being freaked out, right? And thinking about what, can, okay, I've heard all this. What can I do in my home? Yeah. If you're really passionate, you're like, I want to join a movement. I want to get involved. I want to make a change. I would say if you're on Facebook, look up Parenting in a Tech World. It's a Facebook group that I started. It now has over 440,000 parents in it. We haven't leveraged it yet, but we are going to very soon. We're going to figure something out and band together because they cannot ignore half a million parents 
So, Johnny, that's what I've been saying. If we all just decide that we are not going to give our kids social media, for example, until 16, then that will make a difference. Like if there's 400,000 less customers of theirs, then that would make a difference in their bottom line, right? Absolutely. And not only that, you know, a lot of times when I'm preaching, mm-hmm. right, on social, yeah. uh, it can come across as preaching or like, I know everything or I'm, I'm the expert. I am coming to you as a mom of a 15-year-old who made all of the mistakes. I made so many mistakes and I cannot go back in time. I can't go back in time. I wish I could. That's in fact, if I only had one wish from a genie, right? It it wouldn't be to wish for more wishes. Mm -hmm. It would be to go back in time and reparent my child without making the tech mistakes that I did. I can't go back, but everybody listening, hopefully you're in a, a better spot with younger kids and you can avoid those mistakes that I and so many other parents made. Yeah. And people say like, it's hard. Once you give the phone, you can never go back. And while it's difficult, sure, you can always switch things up, you know, and it's okay to admit that you made a mistake in giving this to them and we're going to go back to something safer. Yes. Um, or I made a mistake in giving you ac- letting you access social media and we're going to you know, try not using it for, for a month and see how we feel after that. And I bet they'll feel better. <laughs> 100%. Thank you so much for spending this time. We're going to stay connected and hopefully do another one of these very soon. So Titania, thank you again for your time today. Thank you for what you're doing. 